thinking about things this week and what we need to be looking at and I was just thinking the big danger in any group of people is when you get together and, you know, one has this and one has that and someone's just bought a new car or, you know, someone's got this three-story mansion and still in my little trust house. Yes, Sandra. What do you do, you know? And uh, some some people just seem to land on their feet all the time and, and you sort of, you go through life struggling and all of a sudden you can, you feel discontented, you, you feel like almost maybe you've missed out on things, you know, you, you haven't always done things quite good enough. Some people just do so well and I remember my older brother, he always used to get the new clothes and the new push bike, I remember that, and I'd get the hand-me-downs, you know, and uh, it was that was the way it was. I didn't realise that he was the guy that had to go to school first and all that sort of stuff and He'd always sit in the front of the car and you'd just drive him mad, you know, and he'd always uh, you'd get the biggest piece of cake and what have you, you know. And you think, that's not fair. Danny and I went off to boarding schools and a younger brother, Jerry, mum and dad put him through uni. We didn't get that opportunity. It just wasn't fair. So you can go through life thinking, well, I missed out. And in the Lord too, you kind of think, well, it's, it's just not working for me, you know. I'm missing out. I'm just, uh, I'm not happy. I'm not. I can compare myself with others and I feel like I'm, I'm just not good enough or the Lord's not blessing me and this sort of stuff. So there's a danger. There's an element of danger here. So 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. And for most of us, we, we know the Scriptures, but we need to be reminded at times that it's not what it's all about. Some people have got more, some people have got less. I look in the mirror and I thought, my hair is diminishing day by day. But does it really matter? It says, For we do not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves are not wise. That's what the Lord sort of says about this sort of thing. We're not to compare each other with one another. We, we compare ourselves with the Word of God. We're not on this planet that long and we've just got to make the most of what we've got and rejoice in it. I always remember, you know, when we had our little trust house down south and our three little kids, they were the best years of our lives. We didn't have much. Had a car that always kept breaking down. We lived in a a pretty rough area, but it was home. It was where we lived and we loved it. It was revival going around the place. It was the best time of our lives. We were always having to look to the Lord every day. It was great. You know, I remember coming to camp and our place was in a tent, you know, on the ground. I just thought, no air conditioning, nothing like that. I just thought, we were happy. We were happy with that sort of thing. So we need to, to be content with the things that the Lord provides and not compare ourselves with others. Because there's the other side of things too. If you go third world, it's uh, we've got everything compared to some others, many others. So First Corinthians chapter 2, we're not in Ethiopia. We're in Gaula with a golf course. <laughs> and it's great. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. So it says, uh, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things. 
Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Mick was saying earlier on, all his upbringing in the Catholic Church, he never knew Christ because he wasn't spiritually discerned. Because God is a spirit, as we all know, and the, the true worshipper worships the Lord in spirit and in truth. But we can become carnally minded, can't we, at times, and we start comparing spiritual things with natural things. We, we try to work it out with a natural mind, and we can't. Because we don't understand. The Lord said, they're foolishness. Some of the things that we do are foolishness to the, to the natural mind. So we're not to judge one another by the natural, because it's not what it's all about, is it? At the end of the day, we're not here because we're rich or famous. We're here because we're filled with the Holy Ghost and we want to follow the Lord. So therefore, the Lord says, you compare spiritual things with spiritual things, that we might be fed, that we might uh, walk on in the things of the Lord, that we might grow. So it's very interesting when uh, we get put against the rest of the world. The rest of the world don't understand who we are, and sometimes we can forget who we are. You know, we're spirit people. We're, we're following after the spirit God, chosen of the Lord to follow him. So we're going to be completely different from our natural families who don't always agree that we should be here on a Sunday worshipping the Lord, but we've chosen this to follow the Lord with our family, with our spirit-filled family. So it's difficult at times. So have a look at it in Isaiah chapter 40. This goes here, it's describing um, the Lord himself, God himself, the creator the maker of, of this world. And he says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with a span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or being his counsellor hath taught him? Who's taught him? With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? And that's what he wants and desires you and I to have, this knowledge of understanding and of judgment. Knowledge, it says, and behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. And it goes on in, in uh, verse 25. There's a, lot, there's a lot in this, so just pick out a couple of verses. This. To whom then will you liken me, saying the Lord here? Or shall I be equal, said the Holy One, or saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their hosts by number? He calleth them all by names of the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. And it goes on to say in verse 28, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? Is not like anything we can imagine or compare against. The Lord doesn't get tired. It says he doesn't get weary and he fainteth not. So there's never a time inconvenient to the Lord when you're wanting to seek him, when you want advice or knowledge or understanding or direction. He fainteth not and neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. This is to you and I. He gives power to the faint, and to them that hath no might he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. And I like this because 
they're saying, we haven't got too many young ones here in Gawler. And I said, we don't need anybody, we've got the Lord. No, it's not that way at all. But we'd uh, welcome them in, of course. When you have to draw upon the Lord for strength, he'll provide. He'll provide all your needs. So don't underestimate the Lord. Don't compare the Lord with anything else. You know, he's not in the same league as the medical profession of this world, the, the science of this world. He is the creator. He's the one that designed it all in the first place. And he's redesigning you day by day as he's recreated you, as you've chosen to follow him in this new covenant relationship you've been placed in. Whether you were a Catholic or somebody that uh, had a hard time as a child, didn't know the Lord, had no understanding, he said he's on no respecter of persons. He's just wanting the faithful. He's wanting people to follow him that want or yearn after truth and righteousness. He says, but they, in verse 31, that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And that's the promises to you and I. He's able to do things that you can't compare with anything else or anybody else on the face of this earth. That's our God. That's our Creator. Jesus, he sent his only begotten Son that we might have this incredible opportunity to be reinstated back into heavenly places. There's a choice here that the Lord made, and it's nothing compared to the choices of mankind. Back in First Samuel chapter 16, it just seems completely, everything the Lord seems to do is completely opposite to our natural comprehension, our natural understanding. This is where the Lord's looking for young David to be anointed. David's family or David's father presents his sons. It just says here, and it came to pass when they were come, in verse 6, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, the prophet here, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not a man as a man seeth, for man looketh upon the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. And that's what exactly happened here. It was the young shepherd boy the Lord was looking to to become the next king. He was completely the opposite choice. The, um, he was just a boy out looking after, not even considered. Now, they weren't looking to him at all. Samuel said, no, you've got somebody missing here. He's the chosen one. And uh, it goes on to describe him uh, in verse 11. It says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, I hear all thy children. He said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he went and brought him in, for he was a ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And, and the Lord said, Rise, anoint him, for this is he. This is the one. And perhaps he didn't all have these natural attributes as his brothers. Maybe he was just, he was going to be the youngest. He had all the chores to do. Maybe tradition, I don't know, but in some cultures... The youngest ends up wearing it all. I think Shani said the youngest one ends up having to look after the parents in their culture and all this sort of stuff, and they've got that job. So maybe David was in that mindset, uh, or his his father there, Jesse. Uh, you wouldn't want him, you know. He's just he's out there with the sheep. He he probably not never went to uni or anything like that, and he was just he's just out there with the sheep. Sheep don't say much, but the Lord read this young lad's heart. 
He looked on the inside, and that's what the Lord looks for you. It's, it's what's within you that counts. And uh, in Proverbs 4, I'll quote it, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And I think there's a lot more to that, keeping of the heart. It says with all diligence. It's not referring to a natural heart, really. It's referring to your spirituality, it's your, your character, everything about it. If you'd like to turn to Proverbs 4, just have a look just what says before that to describe the keeping of the heart. It just says in verse 20, it says, My son or my daughter, attend to my words, incline thine ears unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Keep these sayings. Keep the word of God in the midst of your heart. So if you're not reading the word of God, you're not going to be able to keep that in the midst of your heart. It's not what the Lord's going to see. When he reads a person, he reads the heart. He reads the inner man. It says, For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. It goes on 23, it says, Keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And then it says, Put away from thee, and it's regarding the heart or the health of the heart. It says, Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Conversation's important here. Let thine eyes look right on. Keep down the straight and narrow. Don't look to the left nor to the right, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Wherever you go and whatever you do in this life is going to affect your heart. And let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand or to the left, and remove thy foot from evil. So all these things the Lord's saying you need to be doing to keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. There's a couple of comparisons I'd like to have a look at this afternoon. There's one with this uh, man in the Old Testament. He was regarded as a great man of the Old Testament. He was a, he was a man um, of great age, and he helped King David in a time of great need and a, a time of great stress. And his name was uh, Barzillia. And if you go back to Second Samuel chapter 19, We've all read about him before at some stage, but I just want to do a, a perhaps a comparison between him and one of uh, the Lord's disciples in the New Testament. And we'd all agree when we read this story that he was a great guy here. But, and Barzillia, the Gileadite, came down from Rogalem and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan, the river Jordan. He says, now, Barzillia was of a great age, an aged man, even fourscore years old, and he had provided the king with substance while he lay at Mahanim, for he was a great man. And the king said to Barzillia, Come thou over with me, and I'll feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Barzillia said to the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day four score years old, and can I discern between good and evil? What would you want with an old guy? Just because I, I sort of dropped everything and helped you and all this... Um, he said, take my son with you. It goes on to say his son in um, verse 37. It says, he goes on uh, to the king. Barzillia says, let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again that I might die in mine own city and be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. But behold thy servant, this is his youngest son, Chilham, let him go over with my lord the king and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. That's all fine. It's just a story in the Old Testament. I think to myself, well, what 
what really happened to Barzillia. He was a great man. He was recognized by the king, King David. He really helped him out. And we could almost compare that to people who really get involved with the good works. They really do a lot of good stuff around the place. You just can't compete with them. And But we see here how he stops. He doesn't go over Jordan with the king. He decides to stay where he is. He sends his son, and, and we know some of what uh, Chilham's future, his son, uh, talked about it in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 41 verse 17. It, it talks about the habitation of Chilham, and it's recognized it was a possession at Jer- uh, Bethlehem, and it's, it's reputed as being the place where the Lord, the Savior, was born. I guess it was a, a real blessing there for Chilham, but for Barzillia, you kind of think, well, whatever happened to him? And when we look at the, the scriptures here in Ezra, I might just read Ezra. You don't have to turn to it. There's a, there's a reference in Ezra and a reference in Jeremiah saying basically the, the same thing. Don't turn to it. I'll, I'll just quote it for time. It just says here, And the children of Barzillia, which took a wife of the daughters of Barzillia, the, the Gileadite, was called after their name. And these sought uh, their register amongst those that were reckoned by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore were they as polluted, put out from the priesthood. And I thought, what a sad end for a great guy, a guy that the king recognized. But unlike whom we're going to compare with uh, this great man, he just didn't decide to make, we sing a song, Jerusalem is my home. And we read about Ruth the Moabite. We talk about her. She, they were in no covenant relationship with the Lord at all at the time. Ruth, on the other hand, she decided to make Jerusalem her home and she followed her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to Jerusalem. The word she said, and Ruth said it says, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee, for whether thou goest I will go, and where thou lodge, I will lodge, and thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And that's exactly what you and I have done here today. We've decided to forsake everything. So the eternities as our future, is our kingdom. And uh, as opposed to people that would probably come here and make somewhat of a commitment, but not follow it through. You know, this great man, Barzillia here, said he wasn't recognized in genealogy, whereas Ruth the Moabite, When you read, I'll I'll quote it in Matthew chapter 1. It says here, And Salem uh, begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. There she is. And so he's recognized in that genealogy. And Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David, the king of Israel. So we find here there's a comparison of somebody that just misses out on the vision in some ways, that we've started this great work, or the Lord started this great work, and we're to continue right to the end. We can't stop now. We can't decide, well, I think I've done enough. It's all or nothing. I guess like the children of Israel, we just had to follow through with it all, for better, for worse, and not compare ourselves with the rest of the world. You do feel sometimes, look, you are missing out on a few things, but nevertheless, the inheritance is yours if you decide to follow right the way through. Can't stop now. We're all in this together. And the other example was in Matthew chapter 16. 
You know, and things do come eventually to us all, don't they? You know, you, you can get yourself really upset and jealous perhaps of folk that seem to have it all and yet by and by as the years go by, it all comes. You don't think of anything of it then, but it meant a lot to you back then when you were comparing yourself with others. But things come, the Lord's the great provider. But he says, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So it does come. Um, there's a story here of Simon Peter in Matthew 16, verse 13. It says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, Jesus said, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but uh, my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you, or thee, the, the keys of the kingdom of God. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of God. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I, I just thought, wow, what a commission. What a privilege that you and I have. It's just like, because we've decided that Jesus Christ is the Christ, he's the Son of the living God, and he's the Redeemer, he's the Saviour, we've decided to follow him, like Ruth the Moabite. Now, whatever i got to do, your people shall be my people. I'm thinking, wow, that's huge, isn't it? You know, you come into an environment like this, and I'll, I'll say to you, well, I'm coming here, and now you're my people. I thought, that's it's huge. You know, you've just left this culture, this environment, and you've come into something brand new, and you've made the Lord's people your family. And it's just it's an amazing commitment that you've made. And that's the reality, isn't it? He also goes on, I'll quote it here, it's in uh, John. It says, uh, there was another instance with Simon Peter. It's in John 6, 66. John 6, 66. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So there's something, talk about numerics, it's contrary to the will of God. It says that they walked no more with him. They went back. It says, then said Jesus unto the twelve, the twelve disciples, will you also go away? And then Simon Peter answers him saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where do we go, folks? You know, there's nowhere else. What, uh, thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that uh, thou art that Christ the Son of the living God. And uh, that's what we believe and all the people said. It's, it's who we are. We're not stopping now. We've only just started. Because if we give up now, we lose everything. What's the point in starting if we're to give up halfway? You know, it's, there's nothing worse than someone drops out of a race. You know, they, they could have won. There might be an injury. might be something out of their control. But then you see somebody in a marathon and they limp home three hours after the race is finished, and he's actually the hero of the race. You know, you've seen it all, you know, in these um, World Olympics where someone decides they're, they've started and they're going to finish. There was a swimmer 
years ago that did that, and it was, it's just in the marathons that we saw it all. And it's just fantastic to see that they wanted to complete the race regardless, win or lose. But we can't lose if we decide to finish this course. Now, I've kept the faith. I've kept my course. Now I'm ready. My departure is at hand. I'm ready. Lord, come back. Soon we've built the new hall. You can come back. You know. So, praise the Lord. Mark chapter four. We're talking comparisons. If you want to put this first slide up, Nick. You've heard these sayings before. As keen as mustard. You've heard this. As keen as mustard and cutting the mustard. Remember these sayings. Just just doesn't cut the mustard. Not good enough. Well, somebody's really, really active and they're, they're as keen as mustard. They want to get involved. They want to serve the Lord. They want to do everything. They come to the Lord and they're as keen as mustard. The benefits of mustard, it can help you lose weight. It can slow aging. So I'm, I'm sucking on a kilo a day. It helps protect you against certain cancers, uh, particularly prostate and cervical, uh, recently found. It actually contains, I've got to get these facts right because I've got the doctor amongst us. It contains A-R-T-C compound. I can't pronounce it, but A-I-T-C. Anyhow, it's a very important compound when you're dealing with things that can go wrong with you. Anyhow, it contains that. It lowers cholesterol. It improves Im immunity. It can help control symptoms of asthma. Uh, it helps reduce that. It fights... <laughs> but it stimulates hair growth. So, a couple of squares here now would go a long way, I think. That's what I was interested in. It's, <laughs> it's rare, but anyhow, we're going to read the scripture first before we get into it. Mark 4.30 And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? We're, we're comparing now. Jesus is using a parable. And he says, um, Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It, it is like a grain of mustard seed which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth, but when it is sown it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. We can see some of the attributes that consists in mustard. So apparently the light mustard is the way to go, the light, the lighter seeds, the more, more pure it sort of looks a little bit like canola, I would imagine, yeah. And uh, also soursops. <laughs> but it doesn't grow massive. It's when Jesus is using a parable here, it's not, it's not a literal thing. It just shows uh, mustard growing wild. And it says two to the five foot tall around the Sea of Galilee, wild mustard in February at Galilee. It's wild mustard. And uh, what the farmers apparently do is... If you're letting a field go farrow, as you do, you rest the soil, they plant mustard because it um, it prevents weeds coming up. It's quite interesting what they use it for. I think I had another slide there. Oh, yeah, it's just some of the nutritional facts. It's quite outstanding what it contains and um, very, very good for you. It's the old French is mustard. This particular mustard is just simply distilled vinegar, water, First grade mustard seed salt, turmeric, which we all know is very good for you, creek, uh, whatever that is, natural flavours and garlic powder, so garlic kills everything. It's very, very good for you. And just according to science and according to Chinese, the Chinese have had it around for thousands of years with 
ginger and all that stuff, but they're now saying it's incredibly good as far as um, your health goes. And Jesus is saying really, if you've got the faith as a grain of mustard seed, so it's the characteristic of the mustard seed, that's what Jesus is referring to. It's great that we've got science now to confirm what Jesus said. Jesus is bringing out a point here. He said, how are we going to compare the, the kingdom of God? And it's like a grain of mustard seed. And uh, it's, it's interesting. So there's all sorts of problems out there. And when we talk about the environment, they found arsenic in the water in one place in Britain and it was causing bladder cancer. And this is what this article was, it was all about. It was, it was from the environmental health news. And so it's important that we understand there's things that are out of our control we can end up getting ourselves in a bit of strife. But here we have this simple little spice or herb, mustard, and it's all there. Jesus spoke about its, its attributes, and we pass it by, because it's not a, an Aussie cultural thing particularly, is it? It's only when we have hot dogs and uh, stuff like that. Just going to Matthew chapter 17. I'm not trying to bring in a new doctrine, by the way. <laughs> Have some prayer with you and give you a squirt of mustard or something like that, you know. <laughs> You're going. <laughs> Apparently there's some really strong versions too. Who who likes mustard? Oh, loads of you. Wow. Okay, we'll have to have a hot dog night coming up soon. It contains something in, it's called, it's a compound, it's, it's within the mustard seed. And when water comes in contact with it, it converts to this other compound I was talking to, the AITC compound. So it's quite bizarre, although it doesn't contain AITC, which is supposed to be very good, it transforms. So when it comes into your body, it then transforms, and it's, it's very, very good, and it, it attacks the tumours, but it doesn't attack the surrounding muscle tissue. It preserves it. It's quite amazing compound, mustard. Yeah, vitamin tablets don't always cut the mustard, you know. So, but uh, Matthew 17, verse 19, says, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? You remember the story? They brought a child to the disciples. It says he was a lunatic. He was sore vexed. And oftentimes he falls or falleth into the fire and into the water. So it's a real problem. He'd have been scarred all over. He'd have been a continual uh, nightmare for his parents. The father or the, the parents bought this child to the disciples and they couldn't do much with him. Brought him to Jesus and he, he cured him. It says, Then came the disciples to Jesus and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Verily I say unto you, and it's, it's a hard saying, isn't it? You know, they'd follow the Lord, they'd given up everything. And Jesus said, simply because of your unbelief. And you've got to turn around if you want to disciples and said, but I've forsaken everything, I know, and, and I'm just not good enough. And uh, Jesus would say, well, yeah, it's because of your unbelief. And Jesus then, he, he goes on to say, because of your unbelief, for truly I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. And he gives you the answer here, How be it? This kind goeth not out by prayer and fasting. And I, I kind of think, well, 
What do they do? They threw mustard into the vacant paddocks to keep down the weeds, and uh, maybe we got to do the same. Maybe when we read back in Proverbs as to the condition of our heart is that we're to to make sure we keep our hearts with all diligence, that we avoid things that might detract from the presence of God. You know, the things we look at, the things we say, the places we walk. Jesus is saying here, well, you need to get the weeds out of the paddock, boys, and the only way you're going to do this is by prayer and fasting. You know, we need to seek the Lord just as we've done the other weekend, and it does make a difference. It tunes us in a bit more, and we're able to perhaps get victories and healings and understandings that we weren't able to before. We're able to get through things. The Lord's able to then change us and mould us, guide us, refashion us, change our character, change the natural man into a spiritual man. That's who we are now. That's what we've become. We, we don't want to revert back to who our parents were and their parents and all the same attributes, all the same qualities, all the same problems from generation to generation, father, son, grandson, and this sort of stuff. We want to put on the mind of Christ and all the people see. Amen. 